Good morning, and welcome everyone to Sunday service at Ananda Village. My name is Nayaswami Sadhana Devi, and this is Nayaswami Jaya. I'd like to especially welcome those of you who are here at the Expanding Light on various retreats that we are offering, and especially I would also like to welcome those of you who are watching online. Today's reading from Rays of the One Light is entitled, How Devotees Rise. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Last week we asked the question, Why do devotees fall? And we considered the downfall of Judas in this context. Jesus, in answer to Judas's criticism for allowing Mary to rub his feet with spikenard, a very costly ointment, said, The poor always you have with you, but me ye have not always. Jesus is saying here that there is one supreme injustice that needs eradication. Poverty, yes, but not of a material kind. Poverty in a spiritual sense. Divine blessings are not common in this world. They are extraordinary. When they come, we should give them priority above every other consideration. Never allow a moment of joy, for instance, to be set aside for lesser duties. Divine attunement is our highest priority. As Lahiri Mahashaya, the guru of Yogananda's guru, said, To listen to the heart's inner sound, Om, which issues from the very center of our being, is man's highest duty. Mary, on this occasion, was not communing in inner silence with Christ's spirit as she had been when Martha urged that she be reproached by Jesus for not helping out in the kitchen. Mary, this time, was serving outwardly, but in a very different spirit, from the restless fussing for which Jesus had reprimanded her sister Martha. Those who see a radical difference between the paths of action and meditation should understand this distinction. To serve in the right spirit is necessary, for only thereby can we overcome our karmic tendencies towards restless activity. The important thing is that that spirit be always inwardly focused, that in everything we do, we act in loving service to the Lord. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the third chapter, the state of freedom from action, that is, of eternal rest in the spirit, cannot be achieved without action. No one, by mere renunciation and outward non-involvement, can attain perfection. Whenever the Spirit of God descends upon you, however, remember the words of Jesus, Me ye have not always with you. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
I do welcome everybody. I'd like to begin this morning's discourse with the reading from Whispers from Eternity. I built a fire of devotion in the dark forest of delusion, but the fire only smoldered. Then thou didst come and set fire to my uh, to a few frailties. Thy fire quickly spread over the bushes of my prickly desires, over my tall vanities, and through the thick underbrush, underbrush of my arrogances. The whole forest of my darkness is blazing, and thy light I behold everywhere. I thank thee, Father, for thy help. Help me thus always. I want to create a path of light for all. This morning's topic, How Devotees Rise, in a sense is a companion uh, reading this week to last week's, as it was mentioned in the reading, Why Devotees Fall. And last week, Ananta gave a very lovely service and mentioned something that stuck with me as I left, as we always hope some of these things do, and that I could ponder on during the week. And he made the, uh, used the image of density, uh, building upon something Swami Kriyananda had spoken about in his writings, of how each of us have a specific density, you might say, of, of if we were as if balls in a water, at what point in the water would we come to a point of stability? And Ananta asked the question of, of why, if, it, well, if we become more dense, we begin to sink. And if that ball becomes less dense, it begins to rise. And he answered the question of, we fall when we become dense. In other words, and that density is when we begin to contract, when we begin to direct our energies inward, we become more dense. And in consequence, we begin to fall. And you could say, he didn't say it, but the implication there, or he implied it certainly, is the implication is the exact opposite. If we begin to expand, we begin to become larger Naturally, we begin to go up and we begin to rise. And that stuck with me during the week and it uh, sparked a few thoughts and observations that I'd like to share with you. I have a brother who lives in Southern California and I go visit him once, a, once every year. I'm due actually in another few weeks to go down again, make my annual pilgrimage. And uh, when I go down, we try to think of something to do together. So last year, together we went to visit somebody that I have, it was a friend from youth. Not really my friend, my brother's friend more than mine, but I knew this person. And uh, we decided to go visit. And we went back to, I had grown up in the Los Angeles area, and so we went to visit this person. It was a lady, now it's put on some years, because I had not seen her for, I think, probably close to 50 years, 45 at least, maybe closer to 50, hadn't seen her at all during this time. And she had, of course, lived her life. And some years 
not too far in the past, maybe 10 years ago or so, her husband died. So my brother had kept in touch with her and said, let's go visit. So we went to visit and we went to see her. And I walked in the door, I sat down, she said three or four words of welcome to me. And I said, she hasn't changed a bit. She's the same person underneath. Of course, outwardly, of course, she had changed. But she's the same person. And I began to, I began to listen to what she was saying, and she was extremely light. This person was just, it was like she was just, had become, and she always had been to some degree, a light person, light consciousness. But she had just, she was just very, very light and very, very loving and just so kind. But underneath, she was the same person. But something had changed in her. And I began to think about that. How much do we really change in any one lifetime? Do we really change that much? I don't think the basic traits that we have that change particularly. Our personality doesn't change that much. But there is something of the way, perhaps, that we express those traits. We express those person, that light, you might say, shining through those personality traits sometimes shines very brightly. And we begin to perfect certain traits and... Also, you could say, and sometimes we actually uh, might go the opposite way as well. But in this case, this, this person had actually become quite light. And we had, of course, asked about how she was doing in her life. And, and she had, her husband had died. And, of course, this was a very difficult thing for her at the time. But she had moved on to life. She was very active in her church. The Catholic church was down the street a little ways. She was very active. And she was actually couldn't stay long with us because she was busy having to run to take care of some neighbor who was having difficulties and she was going to be taking care of them and so on, bringing them food and so forth. And I thought in my mind, this person has risen, you might say. They become light. And I contrasted it into my mind. Another friend that I know, not living here, <laughs> another, another friend that I know, who lost her husband about 20 years ago and has caved in on herself ever since. And in a sense has ossified that she still lives 20 years ago. And why did life treat me this way? And my life is terrible. And if only it had not happened and had gone the exact opposite way. And we see this Two, I was remarking in my thinking and observing this, why two people, very somewhat similar circumstances, had taken a very different direction, uh, you know, after this had happened. They'd gone in one direction or another. And I think this is a challenge that all of us have. And you see this, some people rise, some people don't. And it's uh, a bit sad when you see that People have contracted onto into themselves. Now I look about the community here, and I've lived here a long time, and I think some of us, many of us, have lived here a long time. And I think it's been a really one of the joys of living here over all of these years to see how many people have risen. Now we're all pretty much, but then I I look around, and when I see each person, I thought, well, you know, actually they're they're pretty much the same. But they're not the same. We're not the same people. We've changed in some way, but not in those traits. But there's something inside 
that I've been, it's been such a joy to see so many people rise up in a certain way. And I'd like to share a little story about one such friend, none of, nobody, not a person here, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but in, just as an example of that, and she's actually passed now, so uh, I don't think she would mind <laughs> me talking about her. And I think many of you remember, you remember Maria Warner. Now, when Maria, Maria was with her sisters, was born in Russia, as she was a Jewish in Russia, and had a very difficult life, as many people had it in, uh, during communist times in Russia. And life was hard, and it was very difficult to be able to receive the resources necessary to actually survive. Not just that it was inconvenient, it was a matter of survival. And one had to be of a certain way in order to guarantee that survival to you. And so you had to, you might say, push to the front of the line in anything if you wanted to uh, receive your due. And besides that, just that day-to-day difficulties that she faced in that life, she was also, because of her heritage, she was also discriminated as situations would happen in Russia at that time. There was discrimination against her, her being Jewish. And when she came, she was fortunate with her sisters to be able to emigrate and, and her and one of her sisters, Bella, came here to Ananda Village. And when Maria first came here, I have to be honest, I was a little bit afraid of her. <laughs> and, because she was pretty tough. She was a very tough uh, person in many ways. She was Because there was that tendency as you come over from that culture and you're raised in a, in a survival instinct situation, uh, you don't drop that right very quickly. You don't immediately, all of a sudden, you're now in a different culture and you immediately drop your heritage that way. She was tough, and at least it seemed that way to me, and I'm sure it wasn't necessary to all, but I found myself avoiding Maria. I would not... I was, she, uh, you know, sort of, <laughs> I didn't want to confront that, and, you know, and, and that, and so... And, and this went on for some years. This, and this went on for some years. And I found that I was in a circle over here that very little interaction of, of her circle. And then something happened. She, she began to reach out to me. I didn't reach out to her. She began to reach out to me. And she started coming up to me and saying, how are you doing? You know, and she was starting to be friendly. And I didn't quite know what to make of that. And then, uh, but, but it kept on happening. We'd sense she'd be really, really friendly. And I began to relax. I said, well, gee, that's, that's nice. And then, and then I'd, but I still kept, kept my distance away. But then as time went by, there was a few things that came. When she took over the, especially later on, when she took over the Internet and the website management, we had to interact and she would always, she started sending me little email notes. Very kind, nice, encouraging, supportive. When I came back, when I was here, she would reach out. And I said, what is, something has happened. Something different has happened. And she had completely changed. By this time, of course, they, she had married. And I ended up dropping my defenses. And we became really good friends. 
we became really good friends. And it, it re- I saw that in that transformation of how her, she, she became light, she rose simply by letting go of all of those things that were holding her down. Those things that she had brought in, I don't think probably when she was born, I'm not sure she brought those things in with her, but in the culture that she lived in, the situation, she had learned certain things, and she was able to simply let them go. So you could say one of the ways that we rise is to have the courage sometimes to just let go of those things that are holding us back. We don't need them anymore. And oftentimes we have many, many different personality traits and habits and tendencies that just are out of place. They're out of place, but we haven't realized it yet. Just let them go. Now, just to finish that story with Maria, that uh, I was in India uh, when Maria passed. She developed cancer, brain, tumor. And I was in India at that time. I was very sad to hear that. But uh, I was in India, and I had, for some uh, situation, I'd ended up in the hospital. And I'd been in, I was, had to spend three nights in the hospital. And I was feeling bad. Uh, and, but I got out. I got out. I got out of the hospital. But unfortunately, I took something with me from the hospital because that night when I got home, I got the deli belly. In, on top of not feeling so hot in the first place. So I, be, I, was, I was really ill and from the both situations. And so I, was, I was, uh, had been not able to hold anything down and, and had a fever and so on. And I was in bed that night. And in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, I woke up wide awake. And I sat up. And I just felt this wave of blessing pass over me. And I said, I'm well. Everything went. And I sat up and I said, I'm well. And I was totally nothing wrong. I felt good, actually. And I just laid back down and I enjoyed that. And that was about early, early hours in the morning. Then I got up, as I sometimes would do. I went up and I checked my email before meditating and see if any messages had come in over the night. And I saw that Marie had passed. And I calculated it out. Just at that time. I always felt it was a little friendship blessing as she passed away. To leave me leave behind in that way. So this is something to remember. That... that we don't have to be the person that we are in these habits. And some of, the, some of these things that we have that keep us from rising, all we have to do is set them aside. But we have to look inside and we have to be aware of that. We have to, we have to introspect and see what are those things that are holding us back. We don't need them. We really don't. There was uh, some years ago, I took a... I attended a workshop given by Mary Kretzman because, and I thought of that because it relates not only do we need to, we need to let them go, we also, and I think Maria may have done this, I never really asked her, but I think we also have to choose to let them go. We have to choose in some fashion 
to say, I don't want to be this way anymore. I'm going to be something else. And we have to make that choice. We have to, you might say, get on the boat when the tide is going out. We have to. We have to do that. And that's our part to play. And I remember taking this workshop from Mary. And I remember nothing of the workshop except, (laughs) which was good. You take one thing with you. She said something that uh, I have used very uh, many times since because I found it very helpful. Because when we're in a situation where people come to us, or in her case, come to her for health issues, healing, how might, it was a healing workshop, and how, how can I receive healing? And whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual healing, those of us in positions of, of ministry find people coming and asking, what should I do? What do I do? How do I, how, how do I improve my situation? And Mary said something I found to be very helpful for me personally, which I've shared in the years since. And she said, when a, if a person should ask that, why don't you ask the person back, is there one positive thing in your life that you can think of that you can do right now, however small? One positive action you can do. If you can think of one thing, get up out of bed, maybe. Uh, I go, to, go to work, <laughs> whatever it might be. Do that. Then after you've done it, ask yourself again. Do it again. And little by little by little, when we make that choice of doing one thing positive, I was thinking the other day I got up in the morning, and I like to go down to Hansa Temple and meditate in the morning, but I got up in the morning and I had a headache in the morning. But I know, I know from experience that if I walk down to the temple, by the time I get to the temple, the headache will be gone. I know this. So there I was, uh, thinking, should I go to the temple or not? (laughs) I don't want to go. But I know if I go, I'll feel better. No, I don't want to go. And I was going like, and I was, I was doing this, I was doing this, arguing, I'm not going to go. Yes, you should. All the way, as I got up, brushed my teeth, went out, uh, sat down, was putting my boots on, shoes on, the whole way, I'm going to go. No, I'm, I don't want to go. And I just forced myself, not forced, but I just kept doing it. I thought, this is going to help me. And of course, by the time I got halfway down to the, it was, it, headache was gone. And I said, oh, I'm so glad I went. <laughs> and, and then, and this, isn't this how it is? It's just, the, and it's, when we think of what should I do what should I do to rise, make my spirit, to make my life better? We tend to think of big things, a big project. I'm going to go to the gym, you know, and sign up, or, you know, or some, something like that. It's not about that. It's about right now. Can, when you go out that door, is there something positive you can do? Say something nice to somebody. You can do that. And, you, and you find that little by little by little, we gradually begin to rise. Because what's happening as we do that? We're becoming less dense. We're becoming lighter as we begin to do that. And we don't, you know, it's to to look back and to to self-analyze and to think of one's problems. All of those things are just not 
helpful to us. I remember Swami would say about Taramata uh, in uh, when Taramata was uh, one of the uh, lady monks or lady nuns at uh, Self-Realization Fellowship. When she was very young, well, younger, when she came to Master, she lived at the ashram, but she left. She left and took up a different course with her life, but it didn't work out. So she came back. And one of the other nuns said to her, says, how dare you? I'm coming back. How could you dare to show your face here? No, it's not a very nice thing to say. But, and Taramata said something very wise. He said, what would you have me do? Worship my mistakes? And isn't this true? Some people, they're looking back. They're worshiping their mistakes. They're worshiping the things that went wrong. Like my lady friend who lost her husband. She's worshiping the suffering, perhaps, that she's endured in all of these years since. We have to move forward with that. And I think the essence of this is in terms of density, being dense versus being lighter. What Ananta was saying is when we look inward, this is an ego, in a sense the ego is looking, is, it's a mark of egotism to inward looking. And I think as we get older in life, put on a little bit of mileage in life, we begin to see that there should be a natural pro- progression. When a person is small, when they're a child, a child is very self-centered. A little two-year-old in the living room, you're having company. The two-year-old comes out and says, Mommy, Mommy, and right there, and the conversation stops. That little one wants all the attention and has no awareness that, well, it may not be the most appropriate moment to do that, but it doesn't know. It's pretty much self-absorbed in itself and its relationship, perhaps, with its parents. But as the child grows up, it begins to become aware of larger realities outside of themselves. And this is a mark of maturity. And we, we think in terms of maturity, and Swami often mentions it as a definition of our ability to relate appropriately to realities larger than ourselves, other than ourselves. And we grow. And so a person becomes teenage, becomes a young adult, 20s, 30s, and so on. You would think that this being the case, of growing in maturity should be the course that we follow until the end of our days. We get larger, we expand our sympathies. And for some people, some people, I see most of you, this is true. There's an expansion of sympathies. But I've noticed that sometimes people, they don't. And those I would say for all of us to take heed as we grow older, don't think too much about yourself. I mean, there's, uh, you've had years of practice already. There comes a point where you find people thinking about themselves, my happiness, my spiritual you know, path, my joy, my, you know, my, my needs, my problems, my this, my that. And it's thinking all about themselves. When you find those people who rise are those people who can transcend that and begin to think of other people. They serve. You find those people, it's a natural thing. When you get older, you serve other people. 
you try to help other people, you share with other you share resources with other people, but that resources might might be material, but it might be wisdom, joy, your blessings with other people, your 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 sense of self is not thinking about what's it doing for me, but what is how can I be an instrument? How can I be a channel for sharing something with others? And if you take that, that attitude, which should be the natural progression of growing, growing a little bit older perhaps, but certainly growing in wisdom, then you find you start to rise. And what happens when we rise? What happens when we start to expand our sympathies? We're happy. We're joyful. And you're not like my Mrs. Wickman, my neighbor across the street when I was a kid. Ball would go into her yard. I'd go get the ball. She'd come out yelling and screaming at me. And my poor father, he'd, she'd be at my door knocking, knocking at <laughs> And we don't, you know, see this. The, the prototypical grumpy old man. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be that way. Why is it? that some go that way and other people expand. They become light. They become, they become joyful. And that's how it should be as we progress into our old age. And this is, from my life and looking back, this is what I noticed in Swami. When Swami was younger, when I first met Swami, I had the good fortune meeting him. He was 42. And when I met him, he was always a great man. But he was a man of great will at that age. My, that was my, I noticed he was accomplished something, he would do it. He could do it. He was joyful about it, but he had great will. But I had also had the good fortune to be with him in his last years also. And again, it's the same man, but he was very different also. It was just all heart, all softness. There was none of that. I think he said, you know, it's your turn. You deal with that side of it now. <laughs> he just wanted God. He just, and he just shared. It was just so sweet to see this soft side. That was always there. It was always there. But in, in perhaps younger age, it wasn't always the, the thing that was needed at that time to express out. But it was always there. And so it's the same thing with us. We're made up of many different qualities. Let's put aside perhaps some of those that we don't need anymore. We don't need anymore. Let's become, let's become that loving person, that who we are already. It's there. And the way to do that is to share. Be outward. Share with other people. Share your sympathies with other people. Be a help to other people. Embrace other people. Develop that heart side that's there within all of us. And then we become who and what we truly are. We're God's children. Many blessings.